Hey guys, welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This podcast is not to change your mind, but to invite you into somebody else's narrative. This is a podcast to give a voice to the neglected. It is also an opportunity for all of us to engage. Hi, Neglected Podcast listeners. This is your host, Giovanna Javis, and I am here today with Andre Johnson. Say hello. Hi, how's everybody doing? Okay, and so I'm very excited about this interview today, and we're just going to be having a conversation like we normally do. And so to start, Andre, just tell me a little bit about you. Uh, my name is Andre. You can call me Andre or Andre L. Johnson. That's what my stage name is. And uh, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, wasn't born here. I was actually born in California. Raised oh, nice. here most of my life. Um, been an, an artist all my life. Come from an artist family. And I am really big into acting and really big into drawing. Been drawing since I was like five years old. Uh, full-time photographer. Been doing that for about 11 years. I love it to death. Um, still doing that while pursuing my dream of acting. And that's been going fantastic. Of course, with the pandemic, things have been a little different, but not, yeah. but not impossible. And uh, I love long walks on the beach. And <laughs> <laughs> I do actually like walking on the beach. Um, love to eat. Love smiling, love hugs, love talking to people, very sociable. And that's me in a nutshell. Oh, great. So tell me a little bit about um, your background as a person that might be considered a creative. So you said you grew up here. I I grew up here. So my my father is an an artist as well. And so it was kind of pretty easy to fall into uh, art with my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad was really big into comic books and drawing and like fantasy and sequential art. So I was very fortunate to have a father, especially a black father in the South, who was so yeah. big into that and really nurtured my love for art as an artist. So if there was an art class or if there was a, um, a comic book or a book that could teach me something, I was always being introduced to those new things and I was being encouraged to pursue it on my own. And I mm-hmm. think with that support really helped me to really be myself, especially being a black artist. Yeah. As it is, um, you don't get a lot of limelight. Most people don't think you have any talent or that you're not very good. Uh, so having that support system was very, 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 very big uh, for me. And of course, as I got older, I found my own way. You know, yeah. anime and you know different Marvel films and meeting other people in school who had the same experiences. I think it really helps too finding people who have uh, the same interests or yeah. even have the same kind of life that you did. You mm-hmm. know, you think you're sometimes you think you're alone. Am I the only person going through this? Am I the only art, black artist? Am I the only artist who feels like this or who can't get this or who doesn't know about this? So when you meet other people, you get like, oh wow, I'm not, I'm not alone. I'm not so alone. So it's not just so not just oh my dad's an art, my family is an art, art artist, and I just have them mm-hmm. um, being in spaces, even they may have been very small because sometimes it was. It was only like three people. Yeah, I, I could like connect with. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like now where it's like I can go to a convention and see everybody because yeah. I didn't even know about conventions until I was in high school. The comic book conventions mm-hmm. and like anime conventions had no idea they even existed. So I think um, being an artist just in the South alone, um, my journey has been very unique. It's, been, it's taught me a lot about how I see myself and how I can also be better um, as an artist to help other artists coming up because that's something I have to realize too. As an artist, other artists are looking at you who are your mm-hmm. age, who are older, and who are younger, and really being like, okay, you are inspirational. You're yeah. a leader. People are looking at you. So being an, a black artist in the South really 
made me pay attention to what I was doing because now that the internet's so big, yeah. people can find you really, really easy and your work can be seen really easy. Back in the 90s, it wasn't like that. I couldn't name yeah. you not one black artist that I knew who mm. was modern. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about like, you know, from the 40s or 30s or 1800s. I'm talking about from like the 90s. I couldn't name not one black artist that I knew. Um, and all that came from just education, social media. But now it's, it's a... So it's a pre, it's some big shoes to fill, mm -hmm. but I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying every, every bit of it. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I love that you brought up like the contrast of like how you grew up mm -hmm. to now, right? Because I think I've even noticed that shift myself personally mm -hmm. of noticing that there were things that quote unquote black people don't do, right? But now, like being able to see like black cosplayers, mm -hmm. that wasn't something that I grew up seeing either, right? Right. Um, and me and my sister were both very interested in anime. She liked to draw. So we were interested mm -hmm. in those things. But I would say I was very closeted about my interests, especially with where I went to school, mm -hmm. because of that belief. Right. And so you brought up that you had like a unique journey into being a black artist. Tell yeah. me about a little bit about um, schooling for you. Did that help shape like who you became as an artist, did it define you in any way? It really did. I, I think I was very fortunate to go to, and I didn't go to any private schools or anything like that. I went to all public schools, but a lot of my schools I went to were di very diverse. Yeah. You know, black, white, Asian, Latino. Like I had a buffet mm -hmm. um, of people to talk to and kind of bounce things off of. But unfortunately, you get into that 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 range where you go from being a kid, like when, you, when you're like. What's the age? I say 11, 12. You're in that age of you're going from being a kid to a preteen, like like a preteen. Yeah. And you're almost becoming a teenager. And in that time period, you're still trying to be a kid and enjoy what you enjoy. But unfortunately, society wants you to be what you've been almost bred to be, a black male. Yeah. So when you're a black male who likes anime and Digimon and Pokemon and X-Men, you get called weird. Yeah. You get called, unfortunately, you get called white. You get called a lot of things that you don't know that you identify with or that you are. And you almost go through a identity crisis. Mm. Like, is, mm -hmm. is, is this weird? Am I weird? Because, you know, you, when you're 11, 12, you're, you're, your body's changing. You're trying to figure yeah. what's going on. And as a black male, you know, a lot of my friends were into football, basketball, rap, hip-hop. Yeah. When I was in middle school, I couldn't name you not one rap song. Yeah, but I was really big into like Michael Jackson and the mm -hmm. Temptations and stuff like that. So, um, just being around people who really, I, I, of course, you know your friend dynamic shifts, and you find new friends and new people to be around. And I found some group of kids who really saw me for me. And I was big. I, I love football, but that's not what I wanted to do. I had yeah. football coaches who were mad at me. I quit the football team. Like, well, sorry, I didn't quit the football team. When I was going from middle school to high school, I didn't go play football in high school. Like everyone thought I was going to go do. Mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to the NFL. I'm just going to go play football. No. Yeah. That's not where my heart was. Mm -hmm. My heart wasn't there. And um, I decided to go to uh, Savannah Arts Academy. Mm -hmm. I auditioned. So I decided to go there instead and really pursue my passion in art. And I'm so glad I did. And definitely going to Savannah Arts really nurtured and watered that seed to yeah. the point where I know for a fact if I didn't go to that school, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, it wasn't so much about because I did drawing in high school. Now I don't, do, I, I don't draw professionally now. I do it for my own sake now, but I do, and I do photography. But it helped me realize you are more than just what people think you are. Mm -hmm. You are more, a lot more than what you think you should be. Yeah. You know, 
because sometimes you, when you're born, you know, you know, you being a black woman, mm-hmm. here's the box you fit into. Yeah. This is other things you should do, especially being in the South. Yes. Yeah. Not very fun. And uh, I think what school did was school let me see a whole other community of people who were enjoying art in their own way. And I was getting exposed to a lot of things. It was very, very, that exposure, that exposure is huge, especially mm-hmm. for children to yeah. realize what they can, uh, what they can do as a, as a, you know, we get told, you're an artist, uh, you're not going to make any money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a black artist, you're definitely not making any money. So seeing that exposure, seeing other black artists, having black artist teachers, because for the longest time, I didn't have black teachers. A lot of my teachers were white mm-hmm. or they're female. They weren't black males. I didn't have a black art teacher until I was in high school. He was a painter. Mm-hmm. And it really changed my view on black art and what he would paint and how he would paint, how he would teach and what he, where he came from was a huge inspiration to me. Not saying that the other teachers were not. They definitely were. But seeing other black artists, I never, the only other black male artist I knew was my dad. Mm, yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I became, you know, 15, 16 years old is when I actually met, you know, my first black art teacher and he was a male and I was like, oh, you know, yeah. oh my God, like, you know, I had never met anybody, you know, personally. So I think with school, school really opened my eyes, really made me see I didn't really never really, it wasn't just about art. It helped me develop as a person mm. to realize it's okay to 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 like these things. It's okay to like this, to like that, to like to not, you know, your age, because sometimes they feel like, oh, because you're you're fifteen, sixteen you can't like Digimon because that's for kids, even though adults are creating it. Yeah. No. You, you know what I mean? And that, mm-hmm. I'm sure they enjoy it as well. I'm sure they enjoy what they do, what they create as well. So I think school is huge into that, especially, like I said, going into high school. High school definitely, high school definitely was the turning point for me uh, where I went from being like, oh, I got to be the black guy. I got to be the, I gotta be the stereotype. That's what everyone's expecting me to be like. And mm-hmm. if I'm not like this, I'm going to get rejected. I'm yeah. going to get pushed away. And you get to a point where you're just like, you know what? I like me. I like what I'm doing. I'm not hurting anybody. And you just find your own way and, and your tribe will find you. That's, yeah. that's what happened. So No, mm-hmm. that's perfect because I think that you, you hit the nail on the head on why representation is so important. Mm-hmm. Because I can even think for myself, I didn't have a black teacher until college. Mm. But that was mainly because of where I went to school. Right, right. But... It wasn't something that I questioned as a kid. It was a question mark. But now that I look back, I know that that had an impact on the way I saw things. Right. Right. So a lot of what you're what you're mentioning is that you saw, you know, your dad as an artist and that was nurtured at home. But but the effect of also seeing it in a teacher Mm -hmm. and seeing how his art was being expressed had an effect on you. Right. And was a defining moment. Right. And I think that that can be hard to understand if that's never happened to you like Mm -hmm. if you've never had representation or if you've never seen someone that looked like you doing anything right right really Mm -hmm. yeah so high school is this big turning point for you of like being able to fully be in yourself and kind of accept that i don't have to be stereotypes and so you mentioned that you went to school for drawing but then now your current career is in photography and acting and so tell me a little bit about that shift for you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kind of uh, stuttering right now because how I got into 
photography was actually because of a bad breakup. Mm. That's actually what happened. I was yeah. dating for the first time. I actually dated for the first time in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and dated, it did not go very well. And there was a it was a growing part for me. Because a lot of kids know they dated in high school and college and middle school and elementary. Yeah. I didn't date until I was in college. And unfortunately, this is the person I dated. Just you know, It just wasn't the right person. And it left me with a kind of hole. Mm-hmm. With a kind of like a hole in my heart during that time period, unfortunately, because of that relationship and, and a few other things. My grades started to slip. Uh, my love for art kind of died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, of course, I'm trying to graduate. My advisor is like, Andre, I'm signing up for this film photography class. You have to take it. And I tell her, no, I don't want to take it. Like, I'm just not interested. She said, Andre, you have to take it to pass. I said, okay, I'll just take it. I sign up. First day in the class, I fall in love with, with film. I love every minute of it. Mm-hmm. To the point where it was almost like a renaissance of art. Yeah. That it was, it was like the same feeling I got when I learned about art in the first place. Mm-hmm. The same passion, that love. You think about it all day long. You could do it all day long. And I went from doing film photography for like, I think I was doing it for like two years before I got into digital photography. And because, um, you know, no one's really taking film. It's not like a you know, commercially they want all everything to be digital. And unfortunately, dark room is very expensive, and the yeah. equipment is very expensive. And I got into it as a hobby. Hobby turned into a side hustle. Side hustle turned into a full-time gig, and I've been doing it full-time for about six, seven years now. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I love it. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would love to talk about the, the fan movie that you made. Okay. Um, and so that was my introduction to you. I saw my... Um, some friends were sharing on their page about this movie. Um, and so tell me a little bit about your inspiration to do this movie. So I got into cosplay uh, back in 2016 and loved every minute of it. I heard about cosplay, never did it. And uh, met a group of people who did it, joined them, joined the group. We did some cosplays, Power Rangers, did Black Marvel Heroes. And then, of course, 2018, Black Panther comes out. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't look like this back in 2018. I was a lot bigger. I was nearly almost 300 pounds. So I was a lot bigger guy. And the character I was cosplaying was M'Baku. Mm-hmm. Had such a great time cosplaying him. Felt so good like cosplaying him, watching the movie, seeing his character. Cause I, was a, I knew about his character from the comics. Mm-hmm. And he's more of a villain of, yeah. in the comic books. He's not, he's not the most likable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Winston Duke, the actor, and I really like the character. So kept cosplaying as the character. And after I saw the movie, right after I saw the movie, I was like, man, I would love to see a, a backstory about M'Baku and how mm-hmm. he came to challenge it. I would love to see it. Mm-hmm. And then the idea went off my head. I was like, why don't you write a film? I don't know if I'm writing a film. I've only been into like the acting industry for about maybe two years, doing some extra work, mm-hmm. um, doing some standing work. Um, and that was about it. I never written a film, never produced a film, never any of that stuff. And literally started off as a little short. Literally, it was only supposed to be like two minutes long. And it kept getting longer and yeah. longer and longer and longer. And then I kept adding on costumes and this and that. So, and literally within, you know, it took a year to plan. I had literally had a full production. I literally had like a, you know, 17 page script and you know had 
uh, actors and dancers and mm. grips and PAs. And I was like, whoa, is this getting too big? Am I doing too much? And, and um, planned everything, got everything together. Of course, you have your, um, uh, excuse me, uh, your mishaps. Mm-hmm. And um, power through it. You know, learned a lot of lessons about, you know, producing a film, being mm-hmm. a director, being an actor. And uh, it came to, together so well. You know, we shot that in one day. Really? I shot in one day. We were supposed to have three days. But because of the budget, and my mm-hmm. budget kept shrinking, mm-hmm. we were like, well, I guess we're shooting this in a, in a day. And I think we should start at like 4 a.m. And we got done at like 1 or 2 a.m. And uh, yeah, it was quite the experience. And of course, I left there. Like after we got done wrapped, I think I sat in my car for like an, for like 30 minutes, just like crying, just yeah. crying. I was like, I can't believe I, I can't believe like not that I did it, that we did it. Because mm-hmm. so many people came together to bring it together. Some people donated time and equipment. Of course, some people got paid, but a lot of people really put their heart and soul into that based on a vision that I had. I'm not a filmmaker you know i haven't i don't have a track record of making a bunch of films but the fact that people actually stepped up and were like yo i I believe in you so i believe in this project and once it came out it got shopped around people from marvel and people from all over were seeing it and messaging me about it and it really took off it really really did and of course people were like you know she made you know it was a a fan film i don't own any of the rights to it And uh, people were like, you should sell it. And, and I was like, no, my whole goal was to have fun. Uh, it was the first time for me doing it. And I was just doing it for the love of it, for the love of the franchise mm-hmm. and love of Black Panther. And especially now, you know, now that Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately, has passed away, um, I do feel like I've had some... Well, before that, back in 2018, when I coughed with my group... We went viral. Like we were everywhere. We yeah. were everywhere for like Marvel, Winston Duke, Lupita Nyong'o. People were sharing this left and right. So I had like a little viral, mm-hmm. you know, moment for a while. And it was really, really good to see the support and support for the film. And to be, even though I wasn't in the actual film, feeling like you were part of the history and the yeah. movement felt really, really good. So I'm really, I'm really happy how it came out. And how well it holds up and the quality and that, you know, that you enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what makes me really happy that people watch it and that they take something away from it or that it inspires them to do their own film or their mm-hmm. own project. So, yeah. 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 So what inspired you to, so you brought up that the background in the, in the comics and knowing mm-hmm. who M'Baku was, but then also the movie, what inspired you to, to make this background story, to want to tell more. He, he was such a great character in the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was funny. He was witty. He wasn't just one-dimensional. You know what I mean? Yes, he was aggressive, but he wasn't an idiot. He wasn't stupid. He was very, very smart. Prideful, yeah. uh, but not stupid. And I really liked the Jabari and that kind of mystery mm-hmm. into the mountains and their culture and how he was as a leader and he just really resonated with me. Like people would think, you know, some people resonate with Killmonger or mm-hmm. with um, T'Challa. And for some reason, for me, M'Baku was just my character. And yeah. I really wanted to see more about him. And instead of waiting around for someone to do it, I was like, well, I'm going to do it myself. And worst case scenario is it never comes out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's it, great. Yeah. So like as a, a black artist and creator, what impact did Black Panther seeing that movie have on you? 
seeing a film with black people that were, where we weren't slaves, uh, we weren't being beat on. Like so, you know, after a while, I've seen you know, Tori, and I love these movies now. Don't yes. get me wrong. Civil rights movies, movies about struggle, slavery. You enjoy them. You, as far as like history, how they're told and the entertainment value. But sometimes that's all how you can see yourself on screen. Yeah. Because in history, you know, you in class at one point, someone someone had a, a prompt. Hey guys, if you can go anywhere in time, where would you want to go, and why? And a lot of people in my class were like, now, I want to be here <laughs> right yeah. now. Because mm-hmm. no time, unfortunately, in history where we're doing pretty well, especially in America. That was yeah. nothing else everywhere. Yeah. For the most part, it wasn't, you know, you being black or at all or being some kind of minority wasn't, unfortunately, wasn't very you know, the greatest thing. So seeing Black Panther where we were represented as resourceful, as royalty, as working together, being important. Like, you know, what we, it almost gave us like a, Alternate, al- alternate timeline of what would have happened if we were possibly left alone, mm. mm-hmm. right? If if uh, if you know um, Spanish or European, you know, uh, influence wasn't so heavy uh, in Africa. So yeah. I think seeing that it allowed kids to say, "That's me." It allowed little kids. I remember being a kid. There wasn't a lot of that's me. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of that. You know, I remember liking Power Rangers. And, and for me, the blue Power Ranger is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I remember kids telling me, you can't be the blue one because you're black. You have to be the black one. You know, or if there was no black character, sorry, you can't be any of these guys because they're all black. They're all white yeah. or they're Asian or whatever the case may be. And for a while, you feel like, man, like, can I just not be any anybody? Can I just not be anybody because, you know, this color of my skin does make me less. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, why am I always excluded? So in this in this case here with Black Panther, it really inspired the inner children and your inner child. Yeah, that here you are on screen. Everyone, could, every I think every black person or every mostly every black person or black child could look on screen and say, "That's me." Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm that person. Oh, that's definitely me. Whether you were bald, had hair, small, big, hairy, there was representation all through that film from almost everybody to see that's me. Or yeah. I'm part of that tribe, or I would have I would have done that job, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and and really the whole royalty aspect. You don't see a lot of royalty films with black people, other than you know you have like Coming to America, but you know that's yeah. more of a a comedy uh, kind of thing. Especially in the Marvel universe, there's not a lot of black lead movies. It was like mm-hmm. the first, I think it was the first one, yeah, that they ever did, and it was huge. It was a blockbuster, and it did so well. Not only because it was good, not everyone liked it, but not only because it was good, it's because people went to support it. They're like, hey, we're going to support this because we want to see more of it. And that's what it is. If you want to see more of the things that you want to see, you got to put your money on it. Because that yeah. movie would have flopped. They'd have been like, this is, this isn't what they would have said, this doesn't work. Right. This formula doesn't work. Black leads don't work. Because that already was something in the industry already. Black leads don't work. And if you have too many black people, now it's a black movie. Mm-hmm. And now we can't market it to China and in Europe and to these other people because unfortunately black doesn't sell. Yeah. So this film really broke a lot of stereotypes uh, for a lot of people. And I'm so, so excited that it did. I'm very excited for Black Panther 2. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be kind of heart-wrenching, yeah. you know, because of, you know, uh, the loss of Chadwick Boseman, some huge shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. And so we all will be kind of, I think it'll be another mourning period for a lot of people. Uh, but I think his legacy left behind with that film was huge for a lot of people that, you know, you can be more than what you say you are. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? You can be represented. And sometimes it takes you being a representation, not you just being on screen. You in real life on screen. And that people are watching you overall. So whether you're doing it on screen or in real life, representation does really, 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 really matter. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. nowadays. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean I love that you highlighted that that it was such a big moment because mm-hmm. um, I recall even for myself going to the premiere night and seeing the, the theater packed mm-hmm. and it just brought me so much joy seeing people that were not Marvel movie characters and they're like, I, I am here for this. Right. And so that was something very touching. And I would say just even from my perspective as, as a black woman, it was so nice to see women be able to have different hairstyles to be bald and they're beautiful or to have right. natural hair and they're beautiful or and it, to be strong and it not be one of those things that it's like, but she's domineering, but it was right. one of those things that was honored. And I feel like that happens within my home. Cause I tell people that my, my home is a matriarch and it just feels <laughs> like that's just it. Right. But it is so interesting to just even be able to reflect and look back and look how that was painted as wrong just because of where I went to school and the yeah. things I interacted with. Yeah. The personality was too much. Mm-hmm. The the strongness was too much. So to see that highlighted as a positive and not a negative, not dire of a mad black woman, but like this is this is fine. This right, is right. you are you and it's still lovely, it's still great. Um, and so I love everything you said and how you highlighted just that importance of representation. And I mentioned it before and you mentioned it in what you were saying about just how that's important, even in the legacy that you're trying to build right. of being that person for someone. And so as you like kind of reflect on things, cause when I reached out to you, was to, I told you that the catalyst for me wanting to, to talk to you was wanting to hear from a black artist their opinion on, you know, just there were so many things happening in the news just about right. like award shows and like black people not winning and they're being performative and just curious about your perspective on those things of why, like why those things might occur. And I think you touched on it a little bit about sometimes blackness doesn't sell right. and our resilience stories as powerful as they are. And as much as it's great, it's still one of those things that I I don't want my only options to be. There's more. We're, we're a little bit more dynamic. We're not all basketball or yeah, athletic. We're yeah. not all these things. We can also be just chill people that yeah. just do chill people things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we like, yeah. We like Starbucks and sushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the thing, the crazy part is I remember – Growing up, everybody, you know, we got you know, Friday, you have Boys in the Hood, you have you know, all mm-hmm. these films that are kind of iconic in the black community. And, you, and everybody wanted to be, everybody I knew who wanted to do acting, they wanted to be in those kind of films. And I yeah. didn't. I didn't want to be in Boys in the Hood or Hot Boys or Baby Boy. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be in those films. I thought those more, I, that wasn't my life, number one. Yeah. That wasn't my life. That was someone's life. And, that's, and I think it should be represented on screen. But I don't think that should be the main thing that's pushed, not yeah. only by black creatives, but also by white creatives as well. Because sometimes, in some cases, they don't want to see, you know what I mean? Like, a movie with starring black people doesn't make it a black movie. Just like a movie with a bunch of white people doesn't make it a It's a movie mm-hmm. t- telling about someone's experience in life. 
and not all of us have a backstory where we're from Compton or from the hood or mm-hmm. single parents or you know dads on drugs or in jail. Those things do happen. That's yeah. someone's life. That's some. That's, that's Asian people's life. In some cases, that's almost everyone's. That's someone's life in, in every demographic. Uh, so, seeing films like Black Panther, uh, some other films that are coming at now about people just being 30 and trying to survive being yeah. a black woman who's 35 trying to make it or you know trying mm-hmm. or, you know trying to pay off debt or you know she's you know trying to move her way up in a marketing department you know and people are like where's the black stuff gonna happen you mean the black stuff it's, yeah. it's happening now yeah you know what i mean life is happening now so i think seeing that stuff on tv is very important even in the in the academy uh hopefully i'm not wrong about this what i was what i read is that the academy was, you know, majority unfortunately white, and not only that, it was white men, very few minorities, and these people are voting on who wins. Yeah. So you feel some people feel like, well, my stuff wasn't very good, that's why I didn't win. Sometimes it wasn't about it being good. Mm-hmm. It's about preference. It mm-hmm. was about, you know, some 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 black stories aren't very inspirational. There's some cringy moments. Unfortunately, when you talk about black issues, there is a tightening in the room. Mm-hmm. Because we got on four to talk about the slavery and the civil rights and the, whatever the case may be. And most people would just rather just not see it or mm-hmm. not have it out there or not uh, have those stories told. You know what I mean? Yeah. These stories are very important. And I think us as black people realizing that you are history. Uh, even Japan, there's black people in Japan. There are black people who uh, serve feudal lords who were samurai. Yeah. But most people don't know about that because those stories are now just being told. They weren't mm-hmm. told back in the early 2000s, or the 90s, or the 80s. They might have been written down in some book you might have read about, but no one even really expounded upon it because like this isn't going to sell. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because unfortunately, you know, we sell when it comes down to hip hop, mm-hmm. sports, cooking. That's what we've been told we excel at. We know we're good at that stuff. We know other people are good at that too. But when it comes down to you being represented as yourself, somebody who's yeah. not into basketball, doesn't watch football, doesn't, you know, listen to a lot of hip hop, that story about mm-hmm. the, you get called alternative. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm an alternative black person. No, I'm just myself mm-hmm. and I'm black yeah. and I enjoy these things. And I think those stories being told about life and how things have been for other people are very important. You know what I mean? Not everyone's ghetto fabulous. Not everybody yeah. is mean. Not every black person is, you know what I mean? That's not, that's a stereotype. And that stereotypes sell and they make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But for, for me, for a while, I was like, I don't care about the money. That's why I made my film, made that film. It wasn't about money. Mm-hmm. It was representation. Yeah. That's the whole point. I, I had a bunch of black leads. Hey, come here. Hey, come here. I want you all to be in this so you get your shine. So they know that you can do more than just be angry or dance or be whatever i want representation show that you can be royalty you can be kind and sweet you can be the ceo of a marketing department you can be the librarian at the library you know what i mean you don't have to always be you know the whatever the stereotype is that a black guy has to be even with like wearing jewelry for the longest time i didn't wear jewelry i didn't start wearing jewelry till like a year ago because of the stereotype when it came down to gold and jewelry and black people i didn't wear any um but once i realized that that stereotype has nothing to do with me and that all because you see a black man with gold on doesn't mean that I'm a gangster or a thug or somebody in some other realm. Um, I had to really kind of take back um, my image. And once you take it back for yourself, I think it gives people permission to take it back 
for themselves as well. Yeah. So. As much as you feel comfortable, what would you say has helped you stay grounded in that? Because, you know, microaggressions, stereotypes, whatever label they fall under, they, they do have an effect. I think, right. you know, as a counselor, one of the worst things that I think a lot of us grew up under was being told that sticks and stones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. And that is a lie. Yeah. Because those words do shape you mm -hmm. and they do kind of sometimes lead very inward to why am I not enough? Why am I not black enough and I'm not white enough? Why do I have to get this other label or why am I not fill in the blank? Whatever that thing is. And so in your journey to just becoming and being able to be your full authentic self, what has been helpful in that journey? Pulling away, pulling away from people. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You realize your life is shaped by people. People shape you, how you see yourself. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? For the longest time, like, um, I didn't like my nose for a long time. Not because I didn't like my nose, it's because other people didn't like it. And I kept judging myself based on what everyone thought I should be like or my value being based on how they saw me. Mm -hmm. They like this and I'm not this. They like that and I'm not that. Me being able to, really, I pulled away. You know, I pulled away from people and really just, once you pull away and you were able to talk to yourself and figure out what you, what you want to do and make sure you're not hurting anybody and you're not causing kind of problems, you're trying to be a benefit and you're really trying to grow, that was it for me. Yeah. Once I pulled away, I just blossomed and it was great and I realized I'm more than what people think I should be. And uh, so, yeah, so I say pulling away really helped me stay grounded, really just focusing on me, having a plan, and just really watering my own soul really helped me than me depending on other people to do it. Yeah. And so with last year, last year was crazy, and you talked about how it had an effect on acting. Mm -hmm. And so not only did we go through COVID, but we also watched a lot of people die. We watched yeah. a lot of hard conversations happen right in front of us. Um, how did that affect you as, as an artist? Um, ooh, wow. It made me realize that people don't live forever. You know that already. Um, Kobe Bryant, Chadwick Boseman, a lot of great actors who were not just not just black, a lot of a lot more white who who definitely inspired me at other actors and artists. But it really made me see my mortality, that life isn't guaranteed, that when it's your time, it's your time, and that your legacy you leave behind is can it's not about you just leaving behind awards and TV shows, sometimes kind words, uh, a small inspiration is your own art. Someone's going to find this stuff and eventually share it, especially if you're loved. And with losing so many prominent uh, figures, you realize it's time for you to step up. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not step down, not get sad, mourn. But the whole point of their life was for you to step up, not to be the next Kobe. Kobe's Kobe. Yeah. There'll never be another Kobe. Chadwick Boseman was Chadwick Boseman. There will never be another Chadwick Boseman. It's time for you to be yourself and be authentically yourself because who they were. They weren't perfect. They were human. That's not an excuse for the things that they did good or bad. It's just what, what it was. And I feel like their death was a sign of the times mm. that you don't know when your time's coming. Yeah. You don't know when, cause all of them, none of them thought the day that they died was the day they're going to die. They said that, I read an article that said that Chadwick Boseman thought he was going to beat cancer all the way up to the week that he died. The very week that he died, he thought, I'm going to beat this. Yeah. He didn't. And let you know that, hey, 
When it's your time, it's your time. And guess what? Use every bit of your time to be an inspiration, to be your best. Now, you don't have to be an inspiration like you're trying to like be a big thing. Mm-hmm. But realize that this would be the best that you can be. And if you're being the best you can be every day, you're leaving everything on the table. Now, that doesn't mean your days will be good. Some days you put your all into a day, and your day's terrible. Yeah. But at least be like yesterday. I worked out yesterday and it was not a good workout. I just when I left the gym, I was like, that was wasn't good. I just didn't really hit like I wanted to. And I had to realize when I got home, you went. Yeah. You finished it. You may have felt like you did something prominent or you did something really important or you really got a good workout, but you did. And to realize every day just leaving everything on the table, just like they did. Mm. They left everything on the table every day to the day that they died. And I some, that's the, how I wanted to live my life. And it made me realize I want to live my life like that, living it to the fullest, yeah. being my best, being authentically myself. And that if one day, you know, through accident or through natural causes, that I perish from this world, that I leave behind a legacy for someone to follow, some kind of roadmap. That's what they did. Yeah. Let the roadmap for us. They, they, they're, they're in their 40s, their early 40s. These guys, mm-hmm. they, they might as well you know, could have either been our classmates or our peers in, 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 a, in a way. Because they weren't, they weren't 70. Yeah. They weren't 80. You know what I mean? They were young. Careers just getting started. Like Kobe Bryant had just retired. He retired from the, the NBA and was getting into film. Yeah. He had just won an Oscar, I think, or mm-hmm. Emmy. I think it's an Oscar. He just won an Oscar, you know, in a few months or so, you know, before he died. So I, I mean, we realized, man, like there's a lot to do, a lot to focus on, and there's no time to lollygag. There's, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Time is irrelevant. And whatever time you think you have, you potentially don't. Yeah. No, I think that that's really important. What you kind of highlighted is the importance of being in the moment. Mm-hmm. And not only the importance of being in the moment, but the importance of just paying attention to what's in front of you. Because I think you, you pointed out that like we're – we're, we might not be like those big celebrities or like the civil rights leaders that we lost. Right. We might not be those, but we are that to someone. Right, right. And so what's in front of you, who's in front of you? And sometimes there's no one in front of you, but what I do for myself does have an impact on other people. How mm-hmm. I take care of myself matters, especially when it comes to what tomorrow might bring. Right. And so I think that that's really important that you highlighted that. I think especially in really just kind of press into being our authentic selves and not letting stereotypes and things define us. But I do think we are entering in a new phase of diversity and inclusion and pushing towards like telling people's stories fully. I think that that's just going to continue on. Of course. And so just being able to pave that is really important. Mm -hmm. For sure. Definitely for yeah. sure. So I think I think for anyone out there who's trying to figure out what is what is my way? It's your way. Your way is your way. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, don't use anyone. Else. The roadmap is a guide. It's not meant for you to follow by you know verbatim. You know what I mean? Because your life is your own. And no matter how, even my siblings, me and my siblings raised in the same household, mm-hmm. different. Yeah. How? Because we're different people. We like different things. Use my parents' instructions for a roadmap of how we should live. Mm. Of course, you know, as you get older, you're going to um, find new traditions, cultures, religions, and really develop. And even if you move to another country, and that's something my dad always told me. My dad was like, Andre, you don't know who you are until you leave this house. 
He said, who you are in Savannah in this town is the act you put on. Because when you're on your mom, an act. Mm-hmm. Dad, an act. Church member, an act. Friend, an act. When you leave here and go somewhere who, where someone doesn't know you, who are you? Mm-hmm. Are your morals still the same? Is how you act or talk still the same? Will you change? I know, I know some people, when they left home and went somewhere else, they immediately picked up an accident somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They immediately came with somebody else. That's not a problem. Yeah. That's not a problem. Uh, I think you should definitely grow. Uh, but you definitely don't know who you are until you leave your comfort zone, which mm-hmm. is home. Yeah. And once I left home, you really find out what you're all about. Are you as a hard worker as you think you are? Are you as are you as kind or as patient as you think you are? Especially when you get around people who don't know you and don't owe you anything. Yeah. When you're in you're in Savannah or you're in town, uh people change their attitude and personality based on who you are. Mm. The job mm-hmm. you do, how popular you are, what you look like. Who you're related to, yeah, you know that kind of thing. So I think it's very important to to really kind of find out who you want to be um, and stay as authentically to that as possible. So that's something I try to do every day. And of course, it changes because you yeah. know we're human; we need to evolve. So I think it changes by by the by the day. Lately, it's been by the minute. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, that's great. Yeah. No, thank you so much for for coming in and sharing mm-hmm. so openly. Um, so where can people go to, to watch your film or to follow what you're doing? Uh, we can go on, well, you can go on my Instagram. Uh, that is, uh, I am Andre L. Johnson on Instagram. You can also, if you want to see any of my uh, film work or any of the interviews or other actors people I've worked with, and even the film, which is uh, in Baku from the Mountains, you can go on andrejohnsonstudios.com. There's a really nice open screen for you. You can go in and see behind-the-scenes video, photos, interviews with the cast and crew. And you can also watch the film as well. And I'll be putting up some more films as time goes on because that'll be the site I'll use. And again, that's andrejohnsonstudios.com. And I'll be putting up more film work, more promotional stuff, more skits. So if you want to keep up with me, you can keep up with me on my site or just follow me on social media. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming in and as we always end, we ask our guests if what their challenge is for the listeners. So what would your challenge be? My challenge would be do something you're not good at. Mm. You grow more by doing things you're not good at than the things you are. Uh, an example, for the longest time, I wasn't good at drawing. What was it? Um, drawing out of my head. Drawing out of my head. I couldn't do that. Portraits? perfect still lives perfect but when it came out to drawing out of my head i would never practice it because i was i wasn't good at it and typically when you're not good at something you don't enjoy it mm-hmm. and usually that's the main thing you have to work on it's like exercising name a body part you don't like working on my legs your legs <laughs> same yeah same my leg day i i i've skipped it i've skipped it many yeah. times and i know i shouldn't do that don't do that. Mm. You need to be well-rounded in everything that you do, especially if it's in something that you want to do, like acting or crocheting or film or whatever. Practice it. You have to. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't have a table with four legs. Three are strong and one isn't. Unfortunately, yeah. that table is not going to stand very well. It's not going to operate very well. You as a human being that's more complex than a table yeah. need to really focus on the things that you're not good at and focus on th- those things a little bit more than the things you're good at. Just like if your right arm is bigger or stronger than your left, meaning you need to add a few more sets or reps to the other arm so you're just more balanced. It makes you a balanced person mentally, spiritually, 
and physically. So to everyone out there, please practice something at least 30 minutes a day that you're not good at. Yeah. Trust me. It won't take very long for you to get pretty decent at it, and eventually you'll love it. Yeah. So, no, thank you so much. Yeah. That's a perfect challenge. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And so listeners, we'll talk to you later. Bye.